Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. This is The Real Side of Wrestling. Tonight's show is dedicated to the memory of all of those fallen soldiers. I hope everybody had a um, tremendous Memorial Day weekend. I know mine was great, uh, sunny and hot, and um, the social distancing, I got to go outside a little bit. So it was kind of cool. Jesse, how was your weekend, man? Uh, it was pretty great. Very chill. Uh, I did, you know, I'm not much of an outdoors guy, so I, I did the same same thing as, as I've been doing. Just kind of stayed inside, watched some wrestling, a little tequila, burger or two. Not a bad time. There you go. You can find this podcast on Spotify. Just search The Real Side of Wrestling. And a big shout-out to Nick Manawa. And, Jesse, do you have that link available where we can shout-out their, their entire network of yeah, podcasts? Yeah, uh it is the BNMVS network of podcasts, which is a, a hefty acronym, I know, but BNMVS. And uh, he's putting out product through there on it's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. So where the network pops up, you can click through and check out the rest of the shows that are on it. There you go. All right. And, again, big shout-out to Nick Manawal for uh, getting us on all those platforms. We do appreciate the distribution. Um, I'm excited about tonight's show. I'm excited about tonight's guest. A good friend of mine has been for many, many years uh, through my sensei, the American kickboxer. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, one half of the duo behind Horror Slam and uh, a pretty well-rounded hand, if you do ask me. Uh, Briar Wellington, the king, the undisputed king, Briar Wellington. Let me get it right. Thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate the introduction, man. I really, really uh, appreciate you guys uh, actually reaching out to me, you know, during these times. You know, it's kind of, you know, a little crazy, you know. It's like I'm – that's kind of like right now my little mission right now is like to kind of like preach a little hope and like – to, to kind of keep everybody kind of to believe in this thing and to believe in like indie wrestling and professional wrestling. Like you can't die. You know what I mean? Like we got to keep this thing alive. You know? And I think that's going to be my goal, you know, going forward. Well, we're definitely going to, we're definitely going to talk a lot about your future plans, but I want to, I want to take a trip back in time a little bit real quick because a lot of people may not realize this, but at once upon a time you were like enhancement for the WWF, correct? Uh, actually it was like, it not like necessarily like, I didn't get to do like the really cool car rides. Like back in the day, they used to do these car rides and they'd send you like, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd make good money, you know, like you'd be an enhancement and go to like, uh, the WWE tapings and you'd work like probably five, six times. You'd get, you know, you'd come back probably over a grand in your pocket and you're working like everybody pretty much like, you know, idolized at the time, you know, and then you'd go like the WCW and you'd do those tapings. Well, Scott DeMore had called me. I was still in high school at the time. I'm 18 years old and I get Kobo Arena the first time. The first shot was Kobo Arena and it was enhancement. Basically, that was like I was enhancing a guy that was doing like a dark match, you know. And then the next time out was like Cleveland's Arena. And that was like live, man. It was like during the Austin era. It was like literally like opening up before the NBA playoffs. Like it was so cool, man. It was was a memory, I'll tell you that. Yeah. What uh, but, uh, what what are some of the you know what are what are some of the lessons you took from your short stint there? I mean, you you were around some some amazing minds during that era. So, you know, how how did you take advantage of that? 
Um, some of the, the minds that I got to put myself in there with, it was so weird, like, kind of like just being on the scene, you know, like first it was like, you know, being probably more the connections through the clowns. And then like, you know, like these people would take me serious and it was like, these are my idols. Like, it was like, kind of like that baptism under fire. Like imagine like wrestling, like Sabu and like, I'm like 20 years old or something like this, you know, 22. And like, you're not calling in a match. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, the finish. And that's like the guy you like idolized and like Chris Candido, same thing. I wrestled him. We didn't call a spot. You know, like, and it was like baptism under fire. Like, that's how I learned how to work. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. instead of like, it was nothing like choreographing or nothing like, I didn't even see that guy like until we went out and we like, we tore it down, you know. But uh, there's a lot of good memories, you know. And like, I put myself always like, I always put myself around like the better guys, you know. Or the guys that I knew were working hard, you know, or, like, going places. So I'd learn from, like, Edge and, like, Christian and, like, Joey Legend and Scott Demore and and the vets in the area. I always took to that, you know, being a younger wrestler. Like, always did that, you know. Always respected my my, my elders in the business, you know. How different? How different is the atmosphere having to work with agents in, in you know, in in the I, I guess the WWE as opposed to kind of agenting your own matches? Kind of what AEW is doing right now. I think they're. I don't. I don't think they have anybody that, that quote unquote is an agent for matches there. So you know, how how was that? You know, especially you know being so young and not not really knowing that that was even a thing yet. Yeah, like, um, I think it was a different vibe even, even at that time. That's cool you asked that question, though, John. I was like, because uh, it's, so, it's so much different, you know, like, just remembering back then, like, there was nothing, he wasn't really picky, like, I, it was Tony Gurria, like, he was my mm-hmm. agent, and actually, if Tony Gurria, and if I would have probably kept working for him, you could tell that something about that guy, like, that agent really liked me back then. Like, something about him, he was just, like, really cool to me. You know what I mean? Like, they don't really fuck with you unless they like you. You know what I'm saying? Like, tease right. you a little bit and, like, cool with you. And it was, like, he was super dope, you know, actually. And, like, there wasn't that much instruction back then. And I think nowadays, I think, yeah, like, they kind of probably, they set the tone for what you kind of actually do out there. They don't really give you a lot of, like, I, I guess, quote, unquote, like, artistic freedom, you know? Right, I, I think that's the change in the in the game. Like now, I think, but it, it's like it's still badass. Like I was thinking this the other day. I'm like, you know, like the guy, the kids that get led around, like in like just like let's just like use WWE as an example because we're talking about agents. It's like, but like they get like coached by like Malenko and like all these like badasses from the day. You know, like so it's kind of sweet. You know, in a way, even if they did get puppeteered, it's still sweet. We're getting like the knowledge of a vet like that agenting matches is pretty dope, you know, in my opinion. And then, you know, the, for those of you who don't know the name Tony Gurria, uh, YouTube it or Google. Uh, he is a former Worldwide Wrestling <laughs> Federation Tag Team Champion. Uh, I do believe that is correct, and, and, and my producer, please yes. correct me if I'm wrong, he, he was a WWF Tag Team Champion, not a, not a WWF Tag Champion. That is uh, that is correct as far as my knowledge okay. rolls. Okay, so if you yeah. don't know who Tony Maria is, please do yourself a favor as as a young mind in this industry <laughs> and Google him because you'll you'll enjoy his matches. Some some really good old school psychology used and and man, what a what a learning tree to sit under. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely, man. Definitely. Talk about learning trees. Like, uh, like just recently, it was kind of cool. Like, uh, I, like I did it to myself, you know, it's like, it's kind of frustrating when you're a vet, you know, like you don't really have anybody to kind of, you got to play cool guy and you can't, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to like, you don't really have another vet to look up to a lot of times or get critiqued mm-hmm. by, or you know what I'm saying? But like, uh, I just randomly happened to accidentally wrestle Raven, man. And I got to sit under his learning tree and get critiqued after and humble myself and listen to him man. took advice from a guy who's a legend and, you know, he's grouchy and shit, you know, whatever, but he's, he's, he's honest and he's tell you how to succeed in wrestling. He's a genius, you know. I was going to ask you, I hear a lot of people, you know, give varying accounts of what Raven is like in real life. And, and, you know, it, yeah. it, it, I guess it just depends on whether the sun is shining or not as to whether or not he is approachable yeah. and in a good mood oh, yeah. or whether or not he's an asshole. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I, I've you never know, met the, the man, so I, I don't life. have a judgment on him. Yeah, but, you know, again, I'm I'm but, basing but, that but entirely like life, off of other people's accounts. Yeah. Well, I've heard some rotten stuff, right? So I, I heard some rotten stuff, but here's a good opinion on it. It's like, does he really need to get over with anybody? <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that, his job ain't to get over with nobody no more. He's retired. You know what I'm saying? So if he's grouchy. He he ain't trying to make a friend. <laughs> Just give some advice. I don't know. I, I I see your point, but then I see guys like Kevin Sullivan, who you know at his age is still out there oh, and doing his thing. Man. And and you know yeah. what a when I had the opportunity to sit under his learning tree, you know that what a what a mind. Holy yeah. shit, uh, Kevin Sullivan. Oh, yeah, you know, man. and but but you know he was so approachable and and so genuine and wanting to give back to the industry um it you know do you run into that a lot yeah. uh where you know you see a lot of these wild wily vets uh like kevin who who really enjoy what they do and and want to give back or is it more you know the the, the vets that want to come in and, and just do their thing and go home um i i think uh i think a lot of them are, are, are it's not like they're not like bitter at people or anything and like a lot of times they're just trying to be, like yeah it is their job you know they, this is what they're doing for a living you know but it's mm-hmm. like i think that uh you know what i mean it's like it, it could be it could be hit or miss on that i think a lot of that to do really care like you know like guys like tracy you've heard stories i'm sure mm-hmm. you know where he's knocking on these kids doors like let's go i was just telling the kid yeah. like the other day i'm like that's that I've heard stories left and right about how he'd knock on your door. Let's go, kid. Get your bag. Let's go wrestle. That that's how you become a star. Like that's it. Like, that's how you become successful in the business. Let's just say the star is in, you know is your own you know personal ego. You know what defines a star is like I don't know. You know what I mean? I guess making a shit ton of money or everybody knows you, but like that's like successful wrestlers everywhere, man. Like you know what I mean? So, and it, it gets your word out and gets your brand out. You know by doing that traveling, you know, and, and Tracy's one of those guys. I think he cares. There's a lot more too, you know, like I think uh, Ricky Morton, he's another one, man. Like you just see it in his eyes. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's like kind of like how I feel right now. I'm that invested in pro wrestling. Like you, you couldn't mm-hmm. pull me off this, you know, like it's wild. You know? <laughs> Saw a picture on Facebook today of Ricky in front of a school and boy, I, I for, for a guy his yeah. age, I, I can't think of anybody that looks better. I mean, I, I seen him. I didn't get the chance to work with him, but I seen him briefly at WrestleMania last year, and and I tell you, the man looked like a million bucks. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just just amazing. Um, yeah. The things that, that he's still he's doing. He hit that Can- <clears throat> he hit that Canadian destroyer like it was nobody's business. Uh, so you know, <laughs> I know that, he that, like lit the world on fire with it too. It's so great. It's yeah. So great. I loved it. Yeah, it it was just amazing. It was just amazing. For those of you that did not see that, go back and check out uh, Joey Janela's Spring Break Part 2 from WrestleMania week last year at the Collective, uh, and you'll see uh, Ricky and Robert Gibson tear the house down uh, on that show. It it was just an amazing thing. I wish I could have been there to see it. let, let's 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 skip a gear here. We're gonna we're gonna jump into third gear here. I wanna I wanna hear about some of the ICP stuff because you know I I've, I've never got to experience. <laughs> I'll get in trouble. I can't tell. I can't say everything. Rachel's listening. Well, obviously. Hear, no, I'm, it's nothing like um, that. But no, there's been some. Which one? Ah, who do I start? Huh? What 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 an atmosphere, man! I mean, I've never been a part of it, but but I yeah. hear so many great stories. So you know, when was your very first experience with the gathering and ICP? Um, uh, actually, man, that's another thing. It was like kind of a chance thing with those guys. Like those guys were actually like uh, kind of like playing around on the Michigan indie scene, you know. And then my trainer had knew them, and then like. It was weird. The guy that uh, my, my best friend finished his training at Psychopathic Records before all the psycho for the gatherings and everything. And we were like, we did these like uh, kind of like shows in Psychopathic Records. We do these like indie shows, like our own little show, I guess, and not an indie show. Like we did, they weren't charging money or nothing, and like they had nickels in a bowl, and you put it in a machine and get fagos, and, and like they'd have a keg of beer out. And we'd be in the office, like, literally where they did their business. Like, we'd be, like, in their office changing and, like, dressing for this, this show, you know. And, like, I remember uh, working with my best friend just, you know, like, to get our chops, you know, to get our chops wet, you know. And wrestling, it was, like, one of our third or fourth pro matches was at Psychopathic Records, you know. And Denny Cass literally had training sessions there. And uh, that's how it all started, though, with, like, the connection with them you know and then it was like it went from there it was like a chance thing like i was sitting being a dumbass you know like i was like being lazy and i was sitting at home and my buddies picked me up they're like they got an icp show and then like uh they picked me down at san andrews hall and i'm down the, down at san andrews hall i'm down, downstairs or whatever at the uh stairs and they're yelling down Briar, what are you doing down there come up here and i'm like ah, okay i guess you know and then like about a half an hour later that's that's so weird you mentioned ricky morton like, in the ring, I was actually, like, in the ring with Ricky. That was, like, probably the first star I'd actually been in the ring with. Like, you know, there's oh, wow. a couple in there that night. But we did, a, we did like, a gimmicky battle royal, and it was, like, that for that chance. Me, I didn't even think I was booked. Like, I wasn't booked, actually. And then, then it went from there, and it was, like, I was a replacement for Sabu on the tour, actually, because he no-showed him. And then me and Chris Hero, they kept seeing me and Chris Hero working hard. You know, like, he kept busting their ass, like, we're the only ones kind of determined. Like, we still party, trust me, man. I fucking developed a lot of habits on that tour. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they'll never, you know what I mean? Like, fucking scarred for life. But, like, me and Chris Hero, like, I stayed with that guy, man, because he loved wrestling, man. He, like, wanted to talk about wrestling. I'm like, all right, we got to steer on him because this is why I'm on tour. I'm right, you know what I mean? Like, we're getting out of hand here, guys. Like, you know what I mean? In my own head. Because I was, like, so determined at that time, you know, like, that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be in WWE, not anything else, you know, and ICP is just a, like a stepping stone in my head as a kid, and Chris Hero me was like trained every day, like we trained like before the shows, 
even if we were fucked up or like whatever, sore or whatever, he really didn't get drunk or party with us. But he kind of kept me a little focused, and, and that kind of helped me, man. And then end of the thing, man, it was like I'm walking down the street with uh, Joe Bruce, and he's like, we're going to make you the champ. And I was like, <laughs> this is nuts. You know, it's kind of surreal. You know, it was pretty wild, you know. And then the second time around, here's the craziest story ever, John. I'll tell this. This is a great story to say live on the air. This isn't tooting my own horn, but, you know, most people would have uh, politically never done what I did the second time because I was asked. Like in the room, I was pulled in a room with my best friend, uh, Joe Bruce, and some, I think it was somebody else. It might even been Sabu. Well, uh, they were trying to figure out who would be the new JCW champ. Well, I wanted my best friend to win it, and, and, uh, and I think uh, Joe Bruce, yeah, Joe Bruce wanted me to win it again, and I turned it down the second time. I swear to God. And then that show, like, that's why they did the draw with me in Candido. And then somebody sent me that today. It was that's weird as hell. It was chance that that somebody sent me that result because I'm like, I never realized that match with Candido was for the JCW title, and it was a draw, and they vacated the belt and mumbo jumbo. It wasn't that they the, the third show got canceled. They right they they can't shut the show down. It was wild. So there's a good ICP story for it. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a lot, you know. It's a lot. Yeah, it was a wild time, man. And that's like the first ten years of my career, you know. <laughs> wow. So it's like, yeah. So it's time to. Yeah, I'm. I'm ready to write a new chapter, though. It's like, man, this thing, like this pandemic. Seriously, I don't want to take over your your show or nothing. It's just like, man, but this is like focused me like no other, you know. Like I literally not the. I'm not trying to like brag and I'm not going to hopefully nothing bad happens, but I got off the phone with someone. I'll just say someone and I'm not lying. You know, like I already reached out to AEW. I'm literally going to try out dark matches or whatever for them. You know, like just anybody I get a chance, I'm going to reach out everywhere. You know, I'm 41. I'll be 42 in September, you know, and I'm in the best shape of my life too right now, by the way. (laughs) I like five hours a day. My, I get in trouble for training now. <laughs> my old lady, she's like, stop training. You're, you're training too hard. I'm like, no, not training enough. Got to keep moving. You know, like I'm pretty focused, you know, I'm zoned in. So. I've, I've tour managed a couple of acts that played the gathering before. And, um, Oh, wow. The, That's awesome. Justin. The, uh, <laughs> the environment obviously is very unique. They're fans, uh, you know, I think everybody knows. That <laughs> I love that. They're, you know, obviously, I think their fans, you know, are widely known. So so, so much so they made documentaries and such about it. So I'm just kind of curious from a wrestler's yeah. perspective. I mean, from their fan base being so rabid for them and so intensely involved, I mean, is there anything that comes to mind in terms of, like, fan stories? And I don't mean necessarily, I don't mean debaucherous kind of stuff, but you know, like intense experiences of somebody who's oh. been like a lifer for Brian Wellington or, you know, uh, just, just really crazy intense fan involvement stories like match reactions or anything along those lines. Um, I, there's a ton of stories. Like I'd love to say, you know, let's keep it positive on a positive note. Like I was going to touch on this because a lot of the guys would take advantage of their fans sometimes and they were weirdos and they, sometimes they got out of here and I'm sure, yeah, I would have loved to, uh, punch out the guys who were throwing piss on me and fucking, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. But the thing was, it was like the ones that I did find out and, and we, we'd hang out and stuff. They were passionate people. And there, there were times, like, I don't know, there was times where 
the IGP sometimes got a bad rap for saying that they didn't pay, and there's some things would get mumbled jumbled, okay? And you're dealing with that industry, okay? Look what you're getting into, okay? You know what I mean? You know, you manage fans, Jesse, so you know how it is. And it's like, well, we got a check or something. And, well, wrestlers kind of do the whole check-to-check thing sometimes. So we are at a hard time getting home, man. And I swear to God, these fans that we knew, I went to the ones we knew, and those fans, it was like, no, I, we didn't even go to them. That's what, I, I know we didn't go to them because we normally would never do that. It was like they literally seen we were having a hard time, and they all started putting out money. Like, I'm, I literally get enough money to go home and then some, like, eat good as shit. And, like, we, you know, I I hate thinking we take it, took advantage of it, but in a way, we, it was like we hit the jack. It was pretty cool. It was, like, pretty amazing, you know, and I think about it now. And then there was other times where I met, like, uh, a friend of mine is not even with me right now, but he's one of these guys. This is how loyal of a fan they are. Like, how many people you know in life that will drive three and a half hours to fucking pick you up? If your fucking car breaks down, honestly, I met friends yeah. like that through those guys. You know what I mean? It was pretty cool, man. Like, so it's like that passion that they are. The, 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 it's, that's why they're so passionate. Like, that's why they probably wanted to kill us. You know, when we we're feeling out on them because they they think this shit's real. You know, that's how invested they are. And I think that's what you know. And it, but like the intensity, it was there at times, man. Like, I remember being in a big circle in Toledo. And fucking, I'm wrestling Shaggy Tudo, and I look around. I'm not paying attention to shit, you know. I'm just doing me, you know. And I'm like in a circle, I'm powdered out of there. We're in the outside of the ring, this huge circle of people. It's like uh, Seagate Center's like five thousand people, man. It's like fucking steam coming off this crowd. I swear to God, like it looked like steam coming off. It's hot, you know. And uh, fucking, out, this circle starts getting like smaller and smaller around us, and I'm like, oh fuck, dude, I'm fucked. I can fight, but not that good, you know, like, there's, like, a thousand of them, dude, like, I just start doing, like, this fucking crazy moshing, like, type elbowing as I'm trying to get back to the ring, I'm like, get me the fuck back to the ring, I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> that was intense, but, like, they were fun, you know, like, they, they, they didn't really, nobody really, uh, I don't think they went for blood necessarily, but, like, they'd punch it sometimes, you get, uh, Chris one time, here's a good one, here's a great Chris Hero story. Okay, we have it on tape somewhere. Uh, a fan is standing behind another fan, like his buddy, and he decides to punch this hero in the back of the head. Well, he ducks down. Chris, I swear to God, throws a fucking necro butcher KO knockout punch to the to the wrong kid. <laughs> I was like, holy shit! And you watch the kid's head; it was like his head fell off. And the other kids just like laughing. I'm like, Jesus. But yeah, there were some intense stories, man. Wow. I mean, I love that. Yeah, uh, Jesse. Yeah. I was going to ask you real quick. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, What bands, uh, what were the bands' names? I was just curious, man. I was, because I, you know what I mean? I'd always walk around and see, meet the different acts and everything. We might even ran into each other, I'm sure of it. It's possible. I mean, most it was tour management gigs for me for the um, for the ICP stuff. So uh, mainly, probably the only one that I'd really want to talk about. Uh, some of my real good friends that that played it that are amazing. Uh, yeah. Called Psycho Stick. They're they, they probably. I want to say the. I think the first time they played it was probably 2010, maybe 2009, but it was it was somewhere in that era. Uh, very cool. Uh, very cool. So uh, that would have been. They're like a comedy metal band. It's sort of like. 
they're the smartest dumb guys in the room. You know what I mean? Like it's very <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. No, that's dope. It. That's creative. You know, it's, if it's different, it's good. You know what I mean? That's what I've always said. Man, I'm like, man, different is good. Like something new. Like that's totally something out of the box for me, man. That's really actually cool. It and sells it's, the fucking merch. I'll tell you that much. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Yeah, those kids hustle too, man. That's another thing about the the gatherings and like you know that is like they're they're like badass like independent hustler and wrestlers. You know what I mean? Like. If you go to the gatherings, like, that's all you'll see is, like, those little, like, you know, like, these startup bands that are trying to, like, get their names out, and they're selling merch and bracelets and stuff. It's, like, the same as, you know, same connection as, like, indie wrestling, you know. I see it, you know. And, I mean, I think that that speaks about ICP themselves, to be honest, are that way. I mean, that's the, like, Mm -hmm. their entire, their whole Mm -hmm. business model is built off of that, which I think is, you know, part and parcel to their connection with wrestling is, is kind of the a lot yeah, of the self-made yeah. hustle through all of the tiers of stuff. And then, you know, they were smart enough to take control over it. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Stranglemania was how I really even figured out who ICP was, which is their... Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people were introduced to them like that, too. It's like there was different phases of how people got introduced, I think in different Mm -hmm. eras, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that was the one that was, like, a certain type of fan base, like you said, like, just like you, like, oh, that's how we got introduced through Stranglemania. It wasn't through, like, because I'm from Detroit, you know what I mean? Like, Southwest Detroit and that area, a lot of my friends lived there. Wait, not to get you off. Stranglemania, was that the the Japanese death match that they did the commentary on? Yes. Okay, all right. I, I just wanted to make sure I was remembering. Damn, that's a blast from the past. Uh, what was that, like, yeah, 96, yeah, yeah. 97? Jesus. Uh, yeah, it was it, it was back there. It's a very popular VHS release among a lot yeah. of people. Um, and I, I remember getting my hands on one finally, and I'd already seen it through Friends a handful of times, but that was such a commodity to just have. The, and, the uh, commentary oh, they is, worth, totally do is worth whatever... The, the commentary alone is worth whatever the price of that 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 VHS is, and and for children, if you don't know what a VHS is, uh, Google. Okay, put it in your VCR. <laughs> yeah, I'm all the way as back as Beta, man. I remember my stepfather having oh Beta, like he was the last one that had Beta, and it would be yes. like, <laughs> yeah, it was like. It was the greatest. It was like, man, we oh had God. a, but like after and then, we had a, we had a four model TV and a beta VCR and one of the very first ever big, big uh, cable boxes. So yeah, yeah, uh, man, damn, the eighties were great, weren't they? <laughs> yes, they were, man. What about the mystery uh, cable stealer? That was the most history mystery. It was like it was too sweet. Like what? made that work, you know what I mean? Like, what literally right. made that work? <laughs> you mean the cheater boxes? Knobs. That was it. Yeah, the cheater boxes, yeah. Oh, I know a thing or two about those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that's, those? Yeah. yeah. Those are... Yeah. Accidentally, accidentally, that's how I watched a lot of, uh, a lot of skin movies, uh, accidentally on purpose. So, um... <laughs> That is how ours got a. That's how ours got bulleted at my, at my dad's house when I was I was a little kid and I didn't even know. That is yeah, awesome. that's funny. We all touched up on it. Like, hey, that's hey, you know how it impacted me was that uh, 
that's how I, I, I know that Don King didn't work me. You know what I mean? In the Tyson fights, because that's how we got all the Tyson fights, and everybody would come over, and it, you know what I mean? Like, we weren't pissed because, like, fuck, we got drunk, and we knew we didn't pay 60 bucks to watch 30 seconds, man. You know what I mean? We were like, fuck yeah. Right. <laughs> it was right. great. <laughs> well, you know, I paid a hundred bucks once to watch Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, like, you know, run for oh my god, rounds. yeah, that was so deep. Yeah, dude. Oh yeah, my god, and, and you know, I mean, it was a good fight, but Jesus Christ, I felt like Floyd ran the whole time. Jesse, I don't know if you watch boxing, but uh, Floyd, is, yeah, <laughs> I'm fucking with you, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that's a. That style is like that running man style kind of. It's yeah, defense. It's like the. I mean, he. I'm not into it. His shots were fucking Manny up. Don't don't get me wrong, but he just. I don't know. He just. It seemed like he ran almost the whole fight. So. Anyways. Let's talk a little bit about uh, power. Oh, Lord. You know, living in Detroit, you know, at one point in time, you guys were kind of a hotbed. The, the city of Detroit was like a hotbed for pro wrestling. You know, you had like, uh, the, if I'm not mistaken, the Sheik, the original Sheik ran a promotion there for, for quite some time, correct? Yeah, like I, I've been around so long, like I could literally almost kind of almost like put like a, a needle mark on it, like how it went. It was almost like... That you talk about that one, but like we always forget though. Like seriously, like one of the stops for like the the base for ECW first was here, and like they bring shop here, man. It was like it was it was Paul Heyman, it was like uh, Al Snow, it was uh, Blue Meanie, uh, Sabu, Benoit, Too Cold. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the list, like those uh, every all the hard crew of ECW started doing shows on Lincoln Park and it was getting hot here. Like it was getting like 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 the way that ECW's vibe is, you know what I mean? Like when you go out to Chicago and feel that vibe. It was almost like that, you know, like that it was getting there. And then uh, uh another thing too is like the ultra violent thing started too here almost. Like not started here but like it was one of the towns they got to see it first and it freaked people out. It was Ian Rotten and Ponda. They started. They did a, sh- a, sh- a couple shows here, and it was brutal, man. It was glass. Like the first time people seen glass, like, and that was like ninety, like, it was like ninety, ninety six or ninety seven, I-, I believe. Mm-hmm. But like all the the magazines were covering it and everything. It was pretty wild. Was, was that under the IWA umbrella or for somebody else? Um, that was actually uh, a-, a guy who gave me my start, and his son is. He kind of was, uh, we were just, uh, I was talking about this with a friend. He's sort of the godfather of the, the local scene. You know, he ran for the longest, and he's probably been the most successful. That was his father, Malcolm Monroe. And he actually worked for the Sheik, and he came up through the Sheik. And he was running, like, he would book, uh, like, Ed, he introduced, like, Edging Christian to, to the American, you know, North America, and uh, and Joey Legend, and then like th- these shows were hot, man. Like they were actually something special. I was like opening up, it'd be like me and like Rhino, and uh, Rhino was just getting his chops wet. And like I literally like had my third pro match for the same company. I think what was the name of it? Uh, oh, it's Insane Championship Wrestling is what it was called. And they were yeah. out in the uh, out off of Grand River, and it was like they would bring everybody in, you know. <clears throat> Everybody that was like something in the Indies, like Reckless Youth was coming out, all the Montoya, 
D'Lo Brown. Uh, the list was like, dude, it's like endless, man. Like even uh, CM Punk, Colt, uh, you know, like it was like everybody pretty much, man, was visiting like thoroughly throughout here, you know, like it just like Michigan, just like, I don't think Michigan itself, like, and it's kind of a weird thing to say. It's like Michigan wrestling itself didn't take itself serious enough. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any no. sense. I don't know how to see that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, I mean, I, like you guys like are badass, you know, like, take maybe yourself, couldn't see the forest, you know, like maybe couldn't see the forest for the trees or, or, or like soak in, yo, this is a special yeah. thing that we've got our hands in right now. Yeah, man. Like Alex Shelley, listen to the talent that's from Detroit. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs, Alex Shelley, myself. Uh, I mean, there's an endless list. Rhino, you know, is from here, you know. And if you want to, like, even put that, go back further, you know, you'd say, you know, Al Snow, basically, I know he's a Lima guy, an Ohio guy, but really he made his way through Detroit. Like, he made his name in Detroit a lot. You know, like, he was here, like, every weekend, you know, like, popping crowds. Like, he was badass, man. He, he'd work, like, twice a, twice a, on the same show. He'd be, like, Shinobi. And, like, he, he kind of, like, was, like, the guy, you know. Like, he had uh, Body Slammer's gym. And in a way, it's, like, I, I feel like uh, – it's like between like me, Truth Martini, and Nate Matson, we're like the vets in the area that kind of lead this new generation, you know. And it's like a lot of it is like a, you know, like it, the the thing is like a, the vets just need to meet the young guys a little bit in the middle, a little bit, you know. It's just like be respectful to the art, but like at the same time, you you got to change with the times. And I think when you do that, I think both sides evolve, you know, and both yeah. sides get better, you know. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to speak a little bit, I guess, while John's out, before we get back into more of the, the current stuff, which will probably anchor most of this. Um, you mentioned a lot of wrestlers from north of the border, obviously, as, as are a lot of those ties. Yeah. And uh, we hear, you know, as wrestling fans, a lot of really terrible, horrible travel stories regarding Canadian uh any any of the wrestling <laughs> travel? Or, oh, it's a nightmare! Well, wow, I, I that is the yeah. that's the best you brought this up, Jesse. This is amazing. This because uh, like uh, I have a bunch on this one because see when I started training, I had to go to the school in Ham in Hamilton. So I'm like going like before I was even a wrestler, I was do I was going through them frustrations. It was funny like we'd have to lie and say we were just doing this and and like make something up. They would always try to ruffle your feathers some way, you know. Well they they literally got to a point one time where it was just like man, you like you couldn't even tell them like you were wrestling, like, you know, and it was just like all nerve wracking going over there and like you got your boots, so you're gonna look like a liar if they open up your shit. <laughs> so like right. you're like all on on the spot and uh the funniest story ever, though, is about the Canadian border. It's so weird that this ties it together, too. Is is I'm I think I got to be the only person in history to get through that border without an ID or nothing. Like, and I'm talking, they took me. I was at customs, and I swear to God, like I have the JCW belt in my buddy's trunk, and I I really I didn't think we were using it for that show or nothing. Like it was just like a, a it was one of Scott Demore's shows. And uh, it was like in winter or something like that. And uh, the border patrol guy like pops the trunk, and I I use this story. I'm like, man, this story. This is for the kids, man. Like I gotta get there. I'm the star of the show. I'm the champ, man. If I don't get there, you know these kids are gonna be disappointed. It's a benefit show, man. We're not making no money, man. They they gotta have a champ here, right? You know. And I gave him the puppy dog eyes, and I'm looking at him. You know, I'm 
you know what I mean? I'm selling this. I am working this like like it's an Oscar winning performance, right? It's got to be. Not tooting my own horn, but I'm pretty sure I could have won an Academy Award, right? Hey, and he looks at me and he goes, "Look, put that away." He zips my bag real slow. He turns his head side to side and he goes, "Get out of here. Go on." And I'm like, wow. what? "What? What do you mean? Like turn around and go home?" And I and he goes, "Go on, get to the show, kid." I'm like, holy fuck. You know what I mean? I'm like, are you shitting me that work? And we got in the yeah. car. I was like, are you shitting me? I'm looking at my partner. I'm like, are you kidding me? That worked? Like, that's insane. Like, that, that, that doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I, I know I need nothing. JCW belt got me across the, the, the Canadian border. <laughs> that is absolutely phenomenal. I know that uh, that, I mean, yeah. For anybody who has never tried yeah. to make that trek, that is not an easy feat at all. Oh they, uh, no, no, no! You gotta be, you gotta be ID'd up, like, <laughs> and like, you know, like you can't take your belt over there. Don't do that, kids. Like that should be like the moral of the story, guys. And, like that might work, like probably like one in a million chances that works. But like, yeah, I can see you now. Guys are gonna do that all the time when they forget their IDs or lose them. I was trying to bring this belt over there, man, and tell them for the kids. Like, oh, God, no. They're I mean, it for like a month or something now. What 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 period of time was that? Uh, this was like, this had to have been like, 2000, well, 2001, 2002, 2002-ish what, time. Yeah, yeah. They didn't do the, they didn't do the, uh, the passports back then. It was like you had to have your birth certificate and the ID. Like you had a driver's yeah. license, basically, or like uh, like ID, state ID, and they didn't really shake you up. But like my partner would mess with me all the time and just you know say stupid shit to the border patrol and just be like, <laughs> I'd be like, dude, come on, man. I'm like, don't do this. You know what I mean, man? He'd be like, hey, uh, the guy's like, you got any protection? He's like, he'd be like, condoms, say something stupid. I'd just be like, you motherfucker, man, like. We're going to be late now. Hey, yeah. there you go. Puts a sticker on your card. He's like, go on. Hey, there you go. Get checked. You know, we're, we're going to search you. I'm like, oh, dude, not again. Just fucking was like crazy, crazy, though. Absolutely brutal. Um, well, being <laughs> that well-traveled and, and seeing so many people from that from that top side, uh, I want to, like, go revisit one part of it. How did – uh, do you recall how you came across the radar of Scott Demore and what your dealings with him were like? Oh man, like Scott Demore, um, I'd almost consider him like almost like a kind of like a big little like a big brother to me in a way. You know, like we don't talk every day or nothing, but like he had a huge part in my wrestling career. You know, like my first memories of him was I got in trouble for wrestling them at Windy City when I was untrained. I used to travel with my trainer and sell T-shirts in Chicago, and I would wrestle them. I was, like, a really good amateur wrestler, like, really, really sharp. And uh, I'm stretching Scotty, you know, like, at 16 or 15. I was 15, about well, 15 or 16, something like that, whatever. But, like, I remember Scott Demore, the Windy City from Florida, he got in trouble for wrestling with me. The way to keep throwing is like, you're losing, Scotty. Get up. <laughs> He's like, get your ass in the locker room. The kid's kicking your ass. And I remember it was like Nick DiCarlo uh, saying, he's like, they called him Evil Vince. Yeah. But uh, that was my first deal. And then, like, we were just like, you know, we'd always wrestle around in the dojo and, like, at his place in Windsor. And then he actually trained with us, man, and helped me out and helped Rhino out. Like, 
man, like we had like cool roots and like, I, you know, I'm pretty much indebted forever for just giving, getting the one shot I got through Scott, you know, like that was Scott Demore. Like that's what I, it frustrates me about how the PC works and how WWE works. It's like, they literally make you jump through like a flaming hoop to just get a, a tryout match. You know, it's like, man, like if you're a badass wrestler, just like, give me a match. You know what I mean? Hey, I'll show you what I have, you know, and that's how it works. Well, Scott called me and it was like, like on a Saturday and I'm wrestling on Monday or yeah, it was like Monday night, I think after school, after high school, I was a junior in high school. And uh, yeah, I was like wrestled for WWE, like through, you know, after two days of uh, notice, you know, we're driving into Kobo, me, a guy named Al Brown, Skullgans. Gene, uh, Gene Miller and Rhino. Like, Rhino used to have, like, a bell head, you know? It was funny. But, like, he really <laughs> did. He, like, paid his dues and, like, busted his ass, you know? Like, I think him meeting, like, uh, uh, Christian and, and Edge, like, and Joey Legend and those guys and Johnny Swinger, like, those guys were, like, fucking these, like, badasses. Like, in Toronto, they were, like, the guys, like, that cared about their look and, like, fucking wore, like you know, good outfits and like, you know what I'm saying? They were invested. You could tell like they look like stars, you know, like Johnny Swinger and like, in like 1998, dude, like should have been WWE, man. He should have been like a fucking Shawn Michaels or something, man. He was that good, you know? And then like Edge was just like the man. He took the ball and ran with it, you know? 100%. Yeah, that was like the, you know, that was like the crew, you know? And then like Scott like helped out a lot of people and just, you know, like, did his homework. He was always a student of the game. Like, always, like, training with, like, Dan Severin. Always training with my trainer, Kenny. Like, he would literally drive with us, though. Like, go on a road trip. He wouldn't even get paid. He'd go on a road trip and just, just to train and do a training session for, like, yeah, it's a four-hour road trip from Windsor to uh, Hamilton, you know. And so he was kind of invested in, in what he was doing. You know? I feel like from a fan perspective, I've always kind of, like, you know, ever since TNA – started which is my introduction as from a fan just got the more and yeah. you can kind of see some stuff but obviously with like internet dirt sheets you know that there's a little bit more involvement than that and then over the years finding out everything that had kind of occurred at his hands yeah. and stuff I always kind of felt like that dude had a mind for wrestling that was maybe underrated by the average viewer probably not by most of the boys but like by your you know average wrestling fan just because it seems to me like he yeah. had oh, direct yeah. hands in a lot you know like, Scott Demore, though, like, if you think about it, how much direct investment in the careers of, like, stars, like, legitimate guys that he made careers of, you know? Like, I don't know exactly what is the, the complete involvement through the AJ Impact era or whatever, but, like, I know for a fact, P.D. Williams, my guy, Alex Shelley kind of trained with me at the start, but, like, directly finished with, like, Scott Demore and Joey Legend. Those guys, they made him into a machine, you know? I, I taught him how to, like, you know, be a real pro wrestler. You know, they made him a new machine, you know. And it was like, and Scott, but, like, he helps Chris Saban, you know. Like, you went on the list of the guys. It's like, wow, you know. Like, very, very uh, – uh, he's a major player in the business. That's I, I could say that, you know. I think that, like, honestly, Scott probably could rub a lot of people or come off to people the wrong way. But as we know, Scott, you know, like I said, you know, like he <laughs> he has enough friends, and it's like it's business with him. I think now, you know, now that he's this far in wrestling. Well, you know, I've noticed that a lot of people that you know this is their bread and butter. This is how they make a living. You know, they 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 tend to have a more 
professional and, you know, just um, matter-of-fact type of demeanor to him. Um, you know, yeah. uh, not not to say that, you know, guys that, you know, only do it on the weekends, aren't serious or any of that. You know, there are plenty of guys that only do it on the weekends that are that are decent enough to, to go further in their career if they chose to. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm speaking more directly of the Nick Gages, you know, yourself, you know, people that rely on pro wrestling yeah. to pay their bills. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, like, you have a different mindset. I can tell you that. And you have to have a different mindset than everybody else. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're, this is like, you know what I mean? Like, I, that's one thing I, it frustrates me, man. Like, you know, yeah, I've had, I, I tell people, there's a whole shoot job thing that these guys do, the weekend warriors do. And that's not, I'm not knocking on a stage anymore. Maybe I shouldn't say it like that. But it's like, you know, like, if you want to be a pro wrestler and someone asks you, what are you? And you say, well, I'm a shoot job. I'm a, well, I'm a carpenter or whatever. It, it's, it's all well and good. But then I don't feel like you're mentally invested enough to be a wrestler for a living when your mindset's that way. It's like you have to literally flip a switch in your fucking head and this is what you're doing now, you know, like and, and burn the boats and that's it. Like you can't like sit there and go, Oh, I'm a I'm a pro wrestler. Yeah, you are. Okay. Well, did you go to the wrestle this weekend? Did you go and grab that spot? Did you do that? You know what I mean? You're not taking advantage of every opportunity. And and it's like unless unless you're the rock and you're making millions of dollars, why aren't you wrestling? <laughs> like that, why aren't you trying to get another match, you know? Right. Well, and you know, a lot of it I think plays into uh there are certain egos that come into play. Um, obviously, you know, well, I've I've already gone to this place and that place and I've worked with this guy and that yeah. guy. So now I'm yeah. going to expect this promotion and that promotion to pay me X dollars, even though my experience yeah. level says I'm only worth Y dollars. So, you know, yeah, I think that's a good part it's of the not a way of Yeah. It, you, you want to not think that way, though, honestly. I mean, honestly, like, seriously, like, if, when you're not, like, out there, like, trying to reach deeper in the guy's pocket, like the promoter or whatever, especially, like, like, you know what it is? Like, you'd feel it. Like, I'm not even – I'll bring a guy up. Like, for instance, like, you could take it the wrong way if this guy can't pay you a lot. But, like, you're kind of coming into their home. Like, I, like when I worked for uh, Ian that last time, it was like, you know, I didn't I, – I felt like, man, I didn't I, – you know, hell yeah, Briar Wallace is worth fucking millions of dollars, right? Thousand dollars. That's what I feel like I'm worth. But, but to get mm-hmm. something, then you get all butthurt because you're worth this. You know, yeah, you, you feel like you're worth it, but really – uh, it'll pay dividends later on. Like you, you uh, honest, obviously if you're back down there working uh, there, you need some work and, and like you're working back up. You know what I mean? That was kind of my goal is get my chops wet again. So like taking 30 or $40 is all you need. You know what I'm saying? Like, sell your right. cause you know what? You won't take nobody's spot. You're not like fucking, you know, like trying to like, be greedy about money because obviously you're not the draw probably you're not the draw because you're you're just kind of showing up you know like hey can i get a spot right. can i just get a match whatever this is what the boys need to do and it's not that hard man like it fucked me up like when knowing that brett lauderdale's running a badass promotion out in gcw and it was like you were there it was like how many fucking guys helped him you know it was like no but none of the boys come and help and try to like grab a spot and like try to like grab a spot you know like, I just don't feel, sometimes you don't feel the hunger 
I like to try to get the boys a little more hungry for it, you know. And like, man, if there's opportunity out here, like you guys can fucking do something. It's like you only live once, right? Like, fuck, why are you pro wrestling if you just want to wrestle like in front of ten people? Like, there's some cool opportunities right. and there's cool moments to fucking making this shit, you know. It'll be out there. I mean, you know, when the shit's over, we'll we'll be. It's gonna be all right. In fact, I believe it's gonna be hotter than shit. Like when this shit's over, so. Let, let's let, let's touch on this pandemic a little bit. Hopefully, you all haven't already. Um, I did miss a little bit there, and I do apologize about that. We we had some rain here, and uh, apparently, it decided to uh, uh, knock a tree into a power line, and now I have no power. So, uh, <laughs> good times, good times. Uh, but you know, we we've touched on this yeah, pandemic. We've touched good. on this pandemic just a little bit. Um, so so I want to I want to talk to you. You know, right now. Especially where you live, you, you're a hotbed of news. You got militia showing up at, at government buildings with guns, yeah. and, and, and uh, <laughs> you know the next. You've got you know a, a very very crazy governor. Oh my God, I thought I thought Kay yeah. was nuts. No, but, like um, it, it's you blinked an eye and everything was different, dude. It was like I swear to yeah. God, it felt like. I go to the store. I'm like, I'm going to the same fucking store. And people are, I had a dude spraying his fucking head with Lysol and shit. And I'm like, the fuck, man? I don't think that thing's flying around your head, dude. Like, you're away from everybody. What the hell is going on with these people? They look crazy or something. I get it. Well, I get it to an extent. I do. Yeah, we're getting, we're losing our shit here, guys. Like, this is wild. I I do think. What are we doing here? Are we going to live in fear? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people are, and and you know that that leads me to my question. You know, do, do you really think that independent wrestling can can thrive and survive in a quote unquote social distancing environment? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I can tell you that it's not going to be easy. I can tell you it's not going to be easy, and I think what this is going to show is only the strong survive kind of like, I don't think it's going to be all about the, the guys with the big money, but the guys that are fucking fearless that aren't scared, you know, because it seemed to me like uh, I'm, I'm so quiet. I'm not knocking nobody, but I'm not hearing nobody talk. So, I mean, you, nobody wants to step up and talk about it. Like, you know, I guess I'll just be that voice. And I'm going to be well, the first let, guy up, you know, like, hey, I'm going to wrestle. Well, let's talk you know, about I want to wrestle now. I, I hear you. You want to wrestle, but you know, let's let's take into consideration for a minute. Let me play devil's advocate for just a minute. Briar, you know, I'm yeah. me and you have discussed many. You know, I'm, I'm we're yeah. gonna see each other very very soon, and, and it's all good. But let me let me play devil's advocate yeah. for just a minute, here, okay? Yeah. The the the, the Adam Buells of the world, or you know, even uh, you know, someone like um, my my biological father, you know. Um, he uh, he he just defeated cancer, but his immune system is down. You know those yeah, are the most. I get it. They're the most susceptible. Yeah, so, my God. You know, I, I hear I hear what you're saying, but should they have to stay home 24 hours a day, seven days a week because yeah. we want to wrestle? I mean, I, I man, that like kind, I don't kind of think, selfish uh, in the cool. No, but I don't think uh, I I think that's not the. Like, I think that's not, like, what we're saying here. It's like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying, like, hey, everybody starts coughing on the guy that's, like, 
most susceptible to, to going through well, to, to something. No, from, no, obviously not. You want to know what's crazy? Is I'm a I'm a top candidate because I smoke uh, a pack and a half a day. I train five and a half hours workouts. Swear to God, train five and a half hours a day. That's three three times. I break it up three hours. You know, three workouts a day. And uh, I'm susceptible. If I get it, I'd probably die. Like, I, I won't make it. My lungs won't be able to beat that shit. If they're saying what it does is true, I won't make it through. But it, so if I sat in a fucking six, nine by nine room, though, and I, I sat there and was like, man, you know, I, I don't, I think that we got to make it safe for everybody. You know what I mean? But I can't, like, I, I just can't, you know what I mean? I can't just be sitting in here, you know, okay, uh, five years goes by. Well, they didn't find the cure yet. Oh, we're gonna wait. <laughs> we're gonna wait it out, guys. Like this fucking beard's growing long here, man, and I want to wrestle, you know. And my knees are gonna start freezing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I gotta hurry up and do this. Well, I still can, you know. And I think, uh, you know, I think like you're you're big. That, that's a huge accountability. What you're saying, John, like you made a huge point. You know, like that's the total like bad side of this whole thing is like people are suffering and, and, and it is bad, you know, it's just, I feel that it's being exploited the wrong way. I think that there's people out there probably got cures for this shit and they ain't talking about it. There's a lot of shit being covered up, you know, that we're, you know, the, the common folk, you know, I can't get all political and conspiracy theory on you. I don't want to get all like that, but you know, as well as I do, we're, they're, they're shady. You know, come on, you know. Hey, you know I'll, what I mean? I'll go. Hey, I'll, go consp- I'll go the fuck on a conspiracy theory with you. I, I love those rides. Okay, the, the grassy yeah, knoll, all that. I'll, I'll go there. Hey, it wouldn't that be the best show ever? Conspiracy theories, dude, with Briar Wellington and John Gray. Let's do it. Do it. Dino Bravo was killed by the mafia. Okay, like I'm. I'm all in. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, we is that a conspiracy theory? Is that a... <laughs> Johnny Tredine did it. I may, the, I may have got the name wrong. Bedlam did it. I may have got they the name wrong. They think that Dino they... Bravo was killed by Bruiser Bedlam, the hitman. He was a hitman who was hired. He was a pro wrestler. Okay, he was managed by Jim Cornette. Yeah. Okay. I thought yeah, I thought I think... remembered there being some kind of mafia tie there. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Shit, Johnny I just was the original bad motherfucker, dude. Seriously, like he blew up the Hamilton police station. He he was like the Iceman. What what's his name? Uh, Richard Kuklinski before he was famous. Yeah, he's a bad dude, man. He had, he was like uh, at one time he had the strongest shoulder press in Canada. It was like six hundred uh, pounds behind the neck uh, military press, seated military press. I was going to say, the Dino Bravo thing, I just assume everybody knows he was killed by the mob. Now, I mean, who it was, I don't... <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, you guys, okay. yeah, like, okay. oh, you're, you guys are blowing yeah. me away with this. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. No, yeah, they, they was like, I don't think it was, but I, they were joking. I don't know if it was a rumor, but, like, they did say, like, that's a former Smoky Mountain wrestling champ. Supposedly, yeah, he was the one that did it, but I don't think it's true. I don't know. He's gone now, so we'll never know. Right, <laughs> both so, of them are. So, so here's a, here's an interesting theory. Here, here's an interesting scenario, if you will, for this new social distancing world of professional wrestling. What if? Yeah. What if? What if we went back to 
the great old days of the territories, the AWAs, the USWAs, the the Dallas territories, the Minnesota territories. Yeah. You know, you you'll have your AWs and the WWE. Yes. Well, you have your AEW and your WWE as the national conglomerates, obviously. But then, you know, I think certain certain areas will will start to highlight certain promotions. I think right now that would work. Now, the, my thing is, like, I, like we talked on the phone this week about it, and it was like, and I, I had time to think about it, and kind of for my answer of this one is it because it, it makes sense, and you made sense of it is. Because it's like how we both feel because we have that same mentality. We kind of came from the same kind of, you know, way of thinking, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. it's all about, like, taking this shit serious. This business is a fucking gift, and it's like fucking you take it serious and fucking, you know what I mean? Like, I want legitimacy. I don't want fucking yarder idiots, you know. Like, I don't want people disrespecting our business. Like, if we're going to do it in backyards, we need athlete- we need to show our athleticism and show our hard work. And, and look like the part and it fucking, you know what I mean? Like show that we're fucking like, this is where we're, we're taking this shit serious. You know, this isn't a game, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do something with this. And I think a lot of these guys, the, the ones that I'm going to put on are the ones, they're the serious ones. They're, they're, they're like invested, you know? Jesse, what, what else you got, bud? I mean, to that degree, I would speak from a social, I mean, from a business aspect, and social distancing and crowds and all that stuff, um, you know, the, the one big hang-up I think that everybody's trying to solve is how you meet in the middle with the economic viability of running a show. Because if you, yeah. you know, you're talking about a lot of shows that you maybe, you know, I, I'm just going to spitball here. I'd say some of the better shows in Nashville that everyone loves, we bring them up every week thus far, but Southern Underground Pro, um, those guys are here yeah. and they're kicking ass and they're doing a great job. And, you know, you're talking an average of like just north of 200 people on on a lot of the bigger shows, but you start yeah. elevating the cost of staffing, the cost of the venue, because they yeah. aren't getting as you know they're not getting as much work, and then you have to social distance people, which significantly reduces the capacity. Then you either have to look for a bigger room to accommodate the crowd, more staffing to enforce that distancing, or you have to go full well, the, the brass tacks. Yeah, the brass tacks of that whole thing, man. The biggest, the biggest thing in the all of this. It's like you're, you kind of like because they're, they're probably going to limit us. Like when we want to be inside, they're going to limit our draw. Okay, and it's yep. fine. But the thing is, that's that's what sucks about it is, you know, like uh, we, it's going to be hard to put a gangbuster show on for certain promotions. You know, like the shows ain't going to be able to be stacked unless these guys take a pay cut, and, I mean, you know, like, that is going to hurt, you know, for a lot of the guys making a living, but there's other ways, you know, you can make, you know, make ends meet with it, you know, like, with the business, you know, like, doing this, like, I'm already on, like, thinking of ideas. I just, I don't want to come off as, like, a needy uh, wrestler, or and I don't think anybody wants to come off that way, but it's, like, to see your favorite wrestler, I think a guy would, I think the fans will pay, possibly, or, or fund certain promotions to get that town. Like, knowing that they're not getting the draw. Like, if you cut a draw in half, you're getting 100 people out. If you can only hold 200, you'll probably only get half that. And I heard it's even less than half. Yeah, it'll be like uh, 75, 75 or something. Yep. In, in Nashville, I can tell you that most of the places that those those folks are fitting a ring in a room and drawing 200 people, 
I'll just throw it out there now. There's no way they're putting a ring in one of those rooms. Even when they no. say that they can do 75% no. capacity, it's going to be – you're talking about maybe people letting 50 fans. Yeah, yeah maybe 50. Yeah, maybe 50. That's what I said. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like like we've already thought of every angle, though. Like I've literally mapped out everything I could possibly do. Like the venue, like it has to – it changes everything. Like, yeah, we keep the same venue, like, because I'm gung-ho about the, our venue, and we love them, and we're going to keep them alive. Because, you know, at the same time, his small business hurt, too. It's a, a VFW, it's yeah. a bar, it's a business. You know, he lost a lot of, uh, of business. So it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that venue to, to try to plug in. You know, like, hopefully I can talk to Brett Lauderdale, and we'll bring him here maybe even twice a month, you know, because I, I want to plug – indie wrestling back in because it feels like man you know like let's not you know what I mean I feel like we're going to lose steam or maybe I feel like that like that's the scary part I guess that's the inner fear I know we won't because I know the guys are passionate enough to keep it alive but you know I, I've worked out every angle in my head like a bigger venue makes sense you know a bigger venue because like say if a capacity of 700 I still get my same draw and yeah. maybe 350 to 400 and it's going to look badass and it can be social distance. And here's the bonus too. Like if you look at the shows when they're outside, so when families get invited, this is the safety area. Okay. You're staying six feet. I've seen fucking people go to Walmart and there's seven people in a family, like all hanging off a shopping cart. That's basically the same thing like when I, what I've seen at this compound I worked on at the under at the undisclosed location uh, this past week. So it almost like it worked itself out. I was like, I looked at it, and I'm like, wow, you know, like all it is is spread these chairs out, you know what I mean? Wear your fucking mask and protect. Like it's just using common sense kind of, you know what I mean? It's like if, if, it's, if it's raining out, like, you know what I mean, and you don't go out with an umbrella, your hair is going to get wet, you know. Well, if there's a virus, wear that mask. You know what I mean? Be safe about it. You know. Well, and you know, I have to bring up, and 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 there's a there's a photo going around on on Facebook, I believe, and and, and I don't know how accurate it is, but it shows like a bunch of <clears throat> a bunch of men, which tells the time frame, but. And, and they're at some sort of a, a game. I don't know if it's baseball or football or what the deal is, but it was during um, yeah. it, it was during you know one of the big flu outbreaks or whatever. And the point was, you know, is is you know they were still able to go out and and do things and, and enjoy life. They certainly were not sitting yeah. to part in that, um, you know. But yeah. the other thing I want to bring up there is, you know, you brought up you brought up how difficult it would be just for you know, the, the wrestlers and, and the workers in and of itself. But, you know, don't don't forget us little guys. You know, it, it's hard enough for a referee to make a living. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yes, hey. you know, much less than a friend. So, but, you know. Um, like, it doesn't take anything out of the element of wrestling, though. Like, say, if, if John, like, say you are nervous, you love the business, you want to keep doing this, but you got to protect your family. Now, there's ways to protect yourself. You know, like, you're going to be a little way more fucking cautious. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not coming home, like, with the same gloves you had on when you were roughing fucking Gage and and, and, uh, Alice Cologne or nothing. You know, like, you'll be like, change that mask. And you know what I'm saying? Taking extra precautions. Let's just be smart about it. You know, like, it makes total sense. It's like why we wash the mats 
in high school wrestling because we knew that if you didn't, uh, and that virus got, they, they had that, there's a map virus, right? And it was contagious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that shit yeah. spread like fucking wildfire. And it would like end your season. Like, you didn't rough. Yeah. yeah. They, they, well, the thing was, though, why did we wash them? We had to clean. We had to make sure, you know, it was an exercise mm-hmm. in discipline. But at the same time, we were, it was an exercise in, like, precaution. Like, that that stuff, that, that ringworm, once someone got it, that whole team could get it, you know. Just yeah. fucking, you know. Yeah. So it's it like was, you take the uh, precautions, you know. Nobody at our school tested or, or got the ringworm, but somebody at another high school did uh, just before we were going to meet them, and the entire meet got canceled. Yeah. So, you know, we, oh, we yeah. Coach Underwood, God rest his soul, Coach Underwood was huge about washing them mats and, Boy, that was one of them things. Yeah. I would have much rather done the Hindu squats, but <laughs> yeah, and, and, my little ninety-pound uh, ass. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. No, like another another idea for precaution is, you know, we keep the hand sanitizer on deck and and, and you know keep it around like close, like other tables outside. Um, we yeah. have masks that they can use if they don't need them. Uh, if they don't have theirs. Uh, Another idea, too, I thought would be good is uh, even an actual thermometer, like a bunch of them. You know, like they're, you can get them at the Dollar Tree or whatever for a buck, and they got the, even those sleeves that you put on mm-hmm. them so you, they're reusable or whatever. Possibly yeah. that even. You know, take the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, you're running a fucking fever, dude. We don't want you in here, man. Okay, you know what I mean? Concern, my biggest concern with all this, you know, and, and, and I'll be honest with you is, you know, each day we hear more and more reports about, you know, well, since we've opened up, yeah. we've had X amount of X amount of, you know, spikes and this and that. And but but if you notice those trends, they they're, they're happening. They're, they're happening mainly in the metropolises. Uh, you know the the big I don't know, man. I don't even believe that. I don't believe it though. I think it, that's bullshit because like my buddy just like the, this guy doesn't bullshit or lie. He put a post up. Like the Michigan's like got this thing that it's open, and there was like mm-hmm. it was like zero cases in Wyandotte, and that's an open city. Like man, these people are shopping, man. I'm telling you what, there's traffic in Detroit, man. I don't know about you, man, but we got traffic. We got you. Get, you got to stand in line at Walmart, and that bitch is long, and it ain't because of the social distancing. Then people are shopping their fucking asses off. But I live in a county of like 1,700 people. No, there ain't shit happening here. The most exciting thing to happen in my town, the most exciting thing to happen in my town is happening right now in front of my apartment complex as as everybody except for me is outside watching them fix the power. Uh, fix the power pole. So that <laughs> that tells you about where I live. It is pole dump. It is pole dump country here. I can tell That's you, in awesome. Nashville, That's motherfuckers are out like man. motherfuckers are out like nothing ever happened. As soon as somebody says something to them in 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 Nashville, and you know, I, we're probably if I had to guess, half and half. I mean, there are a lot of people that don't, and then there are a lot of people yeah. that are just like going out and, and running around. I mean, I'm seeing bachelorette parties down on Broadway, even though the fucking bars are barely open. And um, and we are also increasing in cases. Now, when I say increasing in cases, we're also obviously more people are getting access to being tested. So I'm not trying to fuel the fire of the hype either. I mean, right, we're, right. we're talking about... Hey, wait. Somebody stole that already. Um, 
Do what? Fact. I said we're about facts, not fear. Oh wait, somebody stole that already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> plagiarism. <laughs> a little plagiarism there. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, it. it I feel like it's one of those situations where I, I know from a concert industry perspective, because that's my trade, that most music venues are not going to be uh, fiscally viable to really be open anytime soon. Now, some of them, with their, they can piggyback some of the bar yeah. revenue stuff and have an excuse to sort of half halfway do it. Um, but, I mean, I worked for one of the most legendary venues in town for years, and they're under – I mean, there there's a possibility that it may not open back up. You know, and they've been here for yeah, the next no, year's like that, that's I can't imagine what that Caesar Arena the Caesar Arena revenue, like from that arena alone, just like it's just an example of one of the arenas, you know, it's like how much do they lose stand to lose with this, you know? It's like I know I know I cry about it, so I was I'm upset, you know, I'm I'm heartbroken this you know, it's postponed this fight TV thing and pay-per-views and big things for me and opportunities for me. But it's like at the same time, man, it's like, look at that venue. Can you imagine the money that's lost? Like the millions and millions that's been lost, like with the NBA games and the just all that, you know, they, they run through those. It's like they're going to have to tear them down or something. Sponsorship yeah. deliveries, the uh, thousands upon thousands of jobs. Like, I mean, it's it's you know, obviously, it's, yeah, it's a machine. Those yeah. venues are machines. Like, you know, it's wild. I, I I really feel like we could probably fill up two hours just talking about the coronavirus, and, and I'm sure our listeners, I'm I'm sure our listeners are going to be like, uh, I thought they were going to talk about wrestling. So let's let's pump the brakes on the coronavirus for now, but. but Man, what a what a what a shitty situation this thing has caused for everybody. Uh, let let let's transition over to we got about I don't know forty what forty five minutes or so to go. Let's transition over to um, to horror slam. Let, let's talk about horror slam. Uh, now we're gonna have Rachel Green on in a, in a few weeks, and, and for those that don't know, Rachel Green is the other half of the ownership of horror slam. Uh, and she's going to give us a little bit more in-depth walk as to the story of Horror Slam. But, Briar, not to shortchange you, you, you play a huge part in this, you know. Tell me a little bit about the process of, you know, starting Horror Slam and kind of what the inspiration is. My inspirations for running it um, was kind of like uh, – like a year before Horror Slam, actually, it was Rachel when we met or whatever. It was like she she kept getting an opportunity to run a show. Like the, a bar owner kept like uh, kept like asking her, you know, hey, uh, you want to do a show? You want to do a show? And I'm, you know, I, I'm not a promoter by like any means. I, I'm I'm still green at this. It's like I'm developing. I'm learning something new every day. You know, my my business. I know pro wrestling. That's what I know. You know what I mean. So I'm like, okay, I jumped at the opportunity. You know, and I'm like, I'll try it. And just it was, it just took over. You know, it was like from there, it was like, man, I thought I was invested before in pro wrestling. Then it was like running the show. It just took a uh, like a life of its own. But it was like all these like little motivations that I learned throughout my career. I put them together, and that's kind of like the story of Horror Slam in a way. It's like. Kind of like uh, a lot of it is reminiscent of what the the heart of how JCW was, you know, and like how how our locker room was, 
and uh, there's other motivations like to the promotions that that kind of inspire me like like a number one would be one of the number ones would be you know uh iw mid-south like the core of it you know what i'm saying like the guys that came from there let are there's some legends that came out of there you know and then uh the same goes with my new inspirations was was like straight up gcw man and like you know that that crew is like the hardworking crew they are you know they kind of wow you know okay all right there that's a different volume there i like that you know like <laughs> so i'm like you know what i mean i'm trying to instill that with some of the the, the boys in detroit that same work ethic and I, I think it's catching on and it and you know i i hope uh I soon you know what i mean I, I think we've still we still got a little momentum left and, and i think when this thing returns i think you know big things are are, are gonna come you know now, now, just to be clear, Horror Slam is not just a blood and guts and gore company. You, you guys do, you know, showcase some professional wrestling as well, right? Yes, yeah, that, that's like something like, man. I always, I'm looking at a picture of him right now. It's like uh, my poster of my trainer. I put him on my uh, my training poster, and it's Denny Cash's motto has always been, you know, like you, you got to remember, man, like. Uh, it's you always want it's pro wrestling, man. Like on the marquee, you know what I mean. No matter what, it's it's got it's pro wrestling on the marquee, and it's like that's what we're still selling. No matter what we do, it's just maybe we're putting a little different take on it. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that I think deathmatch wrestling is way underrated. And I I fuck I I I'm so glad I get to say this here, but I hate the word niche. I mean, people say it all the time, but I feel like uh, I feel like. Um, Deathmatch wrestling and what I'm going to do is, like, I'm kind of like, you know what I mean, putting the, the, the real old school fundamentals and the psychology, and when you put that all together with that same excitement and the investment you get from deathmatch wrestling, I think that's like an unreal, like, combination, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's sort of like what I'm working towards, and I, I feel like it's already, like, taking a life of its own, you know? Like a lot of things just happen on their own, like with what, the way we book them, and to to like how uh, certain matches just worked, you know. And I, I think that's the formula in Horror Slam is I'm not like pressuring guys. Like I don't tell them to do certain things a lot of times. Like I I, I just have a hard time doing that, you know. Like hey John, uh, I need you to jump through this uh, this spikes here, man. Uh, this and I'm gonna light it on fire too, and then on the way down, I want you to do the. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I have a hard time saying that to a guy. Like, <laughs> these guys, that's what, why I know they're passionate, is the guys that do the shit they do on Horror Slam and Dunk Matches, I never asked them to do none of that. They do that. They do that because they love the fans. They love the excitement. You know what I mean? They love that thrill, man. Like, it's addictive. Listen, I'm, you know? I'm all for doing whatever needs to be done if it furthers the story being told in the ring. But you know, I've yeah. always been I've always been a big proponent of you don't beat the ref up just for the sake of beating the ref up. It makes absolutely no sense to just throw me around if there's not a reason for it. Um, you know, I I, I, I appreciate, yeah. and, and you know that that's one of the things that I really I really appreciate about deathmatch wrestling is. You know, it, it's not that, that I don't have to take months because I've certainly been asked to. Um, and and yeah. I'll share a story with you off, off the air, Briar, that you'll get a real kick out of uh, that happened at a GCW show. But um, 
you know, it, to me, I, I think, I think a lot of times that that's forgotten about. You know, um, with with a lot of these newer guys, they they see these, you know, they see these reps, uh, and they just want to toss them around because they think it's 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 okay and and it's fun to do and whatever. But you know, uh, adding that psychology in to to it, um, you know, as they do on TV, if you want to go there, you know, really really makes a big difference. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it's one of my pet peeves when, when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I'm going to do this, you know, at the very end of the match, and then I look at them and say, okay, well, what what's the lead-in and why are we doing this? And, you know, if they don't give me yeah, a good enough answer, I say no. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and I've said no to a lot of them. Where are we going? Yeah, where are we going with this? What, what What's the payoff? You know, uh, and and you know, I've had I've had people I've had people say, well, John Gray don't want to take a bump. No, John Gray don't want to take a bump. It don't make no sense. That, that's the difference. Yeah. Um. Where yeah. Where are you at? Where 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 are you at with with the storytelling and the importance of going off the crowd as opposed to you know. Uh, calling things in the back and involving a referee or involving a manager or even involving a out team for that matter. Man, just like the more for me, um, my inner inspiration will come out. <clears throat> if I'm inspired, like it's going to come out no matter what. Like I need to like, I just kind of need to be like uh, the requirements for me to do what I got to do is like, cause I can work with anybody and you know what I mean? I don't need to, I'd rather not call everything because I don't like that. You know what I mean? I just feel like that's like, it's you, you feel the inorganicness in it. It's like, it's like, it looks like I'm timing everything and I'm trying to brush and those little movements, you won't get that. Like you can't work with somebody or work a crowd if you're in the back, like you can't, like, I can't tell you, John, like the crowd's going to do this and they're going to say this. I mean, yeah, I guess if I really know I got a crowd invested in me throughout, like, you know, say it's you know, the whole same crowd, I can tell you exactly what they'll react to, you know, cause I'm that, right. you know, I know the business, you know, I know, how to, I know psychology, you know, like I know how to feed off energy of the crowd. Like that's my right. my uh, my fucking you know what I mean like my forte, and it's something I'm trying to teach these kids and a lot I watch them they get frustrated because they don't understand it like even the the match we did uh, this weekend it's like they're afraid to uh, pull any more energy off the crowd like they're ready to do the next move instead of you know what I mean mm-hmm. make the first move mean something and then sell off mm-hmm. that move. It's it's I guess I'm dissecting a little. It's we're getting complicated because the kids ain't gonna no, understand. No, no, you're playing. not. No, and 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 I think I think but, a lot of young people need to hear this. That you know there there's a yeah, reason that you know from a lockup you go to a headlock to a shoot 'em off to a shoulder tackle, and there's a reason that you don't do it as fast as I just said it. There there's a reason that <laughs> hey, you take I'm just your time. Saw you, John. <laughs> I'm gonna moonsault. I'm gonna hit my frog splash. All right, all right. Again, fuck you. I'm not. I'm I'm not gonna watch my feet go over my head. That that's that's not happening. You're fine. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine, kid. Get out of here. You know what I mean? Like, but it's like, dude. Like, I can fucking get five minutes off them two things I just called. Five minutes. I give you five minutes of entertainment. Give me the rep too, and I'll fucking put you in the spot too, John. 
I'll put you in the spot too. I swear to God. Like you know what I mean? I mean it's like again, fucking... if it if it makes if it makes sense to the story being told in the ring. For instance, and, and I'll give you a perfect example. Nate Webb and Shug D and me did did a spot for IWA yeah. Mid South. Uh, the 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 shin kick Nate, spot. Man. Nate Webb spot. Yeah, it makes me smile. We we and and, awesome. and what made it even better is we called it in the ring. Like this wasn't something that we went out there and said, okay, yeah. we're gonna do the shin kick spot. You know, Shug Shug was standing in the ring and he looks at Nate. He's like, kick me in the shin, and it, it that's where it started. And then they both were like, we're gonna kick you, and they did. And now we're all three in the ring doing the Peter uh, uh, the Peter um, uh, shit Family Guy. Uh, Peter uh, son of a bitch, I just knew his name. <laughs> Thank Good you, Peter Lord, Griffin. Doing the, right? There yeah, you doing, go. Doing the, yeah, doing the Peter Griffin, you know, shin, shin grab, yeah. you know. It, it, it yeah. made sense. It made sense in the in the oh, comedy yeah. in, in in the story we were telling in the match. But you know, on the on the flip side of that, um, you know, again, I don't mind being used if it makes sense. I just I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it if it's if it's just for the sake of knocking me down. And and you know, here's the thing. I'll, here's the thing. I think a lot of people forget in deathmatch wrestling. Okay, it's deathmatch wrestling. There's no rules. There's literally no reason that I there there there's literally no reason that a referee in any capacity needs to be distracted. Yeah, I I think uh, yeah I think the whole like uh, psychology behind this one, if there it was psychology, it would be the whole investment in deathmatch wrestling is that somebody might die in it. That's what I was going to tell somebody. I yelled at somebody. Hey, guess why? You know, I'm excited because somebody's might die. That's why you're scared. You're nervous. Yeah. You know, you're anxious. Yeah. You're worried about them. You know, you want the guy to win. That's where I think the deathmatch wrestling is a little different than just like your traditional like NWA style. Like where, you know what I'm saying? It's like tell the story in the ring type style like I, I feel like that style like, why why can't we be doing deathmatch wrestling with good psychology either? you know that that to me but but, don't make but sense. you can don't i mean the the jc bailey's yeah. and nick mondo's you know those guys were doing it the the drake youngers you know those guys were doing it you know back in yeah. the early 2000s and and tearing it up so you know it it absolutely can and and should be I done that it, way dude, probably natural Oh yeah, no God, yes, Definitely. Necro. Which, you know, God yeah. love him, and and you know, the, I gotta yeah. I gotta say this on the air. The highest I've ever been in my life was in Detroit, Michigan, at a show that <laughs> Joseph that Joseph yeah. Swartz got me booked on, and Necro Butcher was giving me That's these little funny. gummies, uh, giving me these little tootsie oh, rolls no. in the locker room. Yeah, he gave me these tootsie rolls, and he's like, "Here, man, just eat three That's or four funny. of them. They're not very strong." And yeah. an hour later, an hour yeah, later, no. I'm going, oh my god, I can barely move. So yeah, he he got me good with the with the uh, tasty roll edibles. Oh my god, I was so <laughs> so high somewhere in Michigan, and and yeah, wow, what a story. Um, let, let me let me ask you this about about deathmatch wrestling, you know. A lot yes. of people, and, and you brought this up earlier. A lot of people call it a niche group, and and you know it's it's yeah. what it is. You know, um, what are what are some of the things that Horror Slam specifically is doing to break that mold outside of putting good stories together month to month? 
of the whole niche thing as far as I think the promotion in general, like you're not just going to see deathmatch wrestling. Like I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I, I kind of try to do that is it's almost like even tied. Like it's like I got, you know, on this side, I'll get the guys like a strong style base, you know, where it's wrestling and it's just yeah. like to us more of a storytelling wrestling match. You know, there's mm-hmm. actually a different flavor of the month, like for everybody, if you think about it. And then you've got that, like, uh, you know, you ever watch like Roderick Strong wrestle, uh, or like, oh, uh, you know what I mean? Where it's kind of a sporty, he, he's a, he's beautiful in there, you know, it's like, Jesus, yeah. you know, like something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's like to me. Like I, I, I always say it. It's not what you call it, but I say X division style, whatever you want to say, cruiserweight mm-hmm. style of wrestling. Like I right. love that being, uh, be, you know what I mean? And then like the slow build is the big explosion, which I feel is deathmatch wrestling. That's sort of like so we're almost using it in a way, John. If you think about it, because it's like you know the the build is like we wouldn't do the deathmatch at the beginning of the show. That's not the hot opener. It's like, you know what I mean? The hot opener would be like a, a, a good wrestling contest, maybe even a, a Lucha Libre wrestling match, authentic Lucha Libre guys or something like, not that I've done that, but you know what I mean? It's just like, that's kind of where you'd go, like set the tone and it's like, then we go start building. And it's like, you know, then you'll get your, you know, that Haas fight, you know, to, you know, they, they, they're banging it up. It's Rhino and, and fucking Jimmy Lloyd or something, you know, going around the arena. And it's almost like it, that match itself, like reminded me, is like reminiscent of like uh, the ECW days, you know? Mm. So it's like, and then you do the, the big, like I said, you know, I feel like the, the biggest explosion should be the, possibly like the big, you know, not possibly, but the, the big explosion should be the, the death match, you know, at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. And if you have a death match on the show, I feel like just make it a little mild, like keep it mild, you know, like don't try to, that's a, uh, like the flavor of a lot of the Indies is to try to outshine each other sort of sometimes. And that's not a good look. You know what I mean? It's like, don't try to steal the main seat. You know, we're working, we're working towards that main, you know, Right. Yeah, I, I think I think you bring up a good point. I think a lot of times that gets lost in translation when you're building the 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 show up and and you're putting these matches together. I think a lot of times, you know, people wonder, well, you know, why why couldn't we see you know blah 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 and yada blase in in a death match in the first match, you know, and 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 they forget, you know, that's armchair booking, you know, that that may be what yeah. you wanted to see, but the majority of the people are going to pop and stay up the remainder of the show for that, you know, for that hot hot opener that you spoke of, you know, that fast paced yeah. action, that rock and roll express style match. Um, so yeah, yeah. let me. Let me elaborate a little bit more on deathmatch wrestling with you, though. You know, I, I just had this thought come into my head of the IWA King of the Death Matches a couple of years ago, where Slack uh, went through the uh, the file cabinet and struck a main artery in his leg. Um, you know, at at what point is deathmatch wrestling really kind of going too far? And and where do we really draw that line between, you know, dangerous and just stupid and okay, this is this is entertainment. Yeah, like I I got there's like in the To be clear, oh, real quick, real quick. 
real quick to be clear, yeah. what Slack did was not stupid. That that was a freak accident. I'm I'm just speaking in generalities here. I don't want anybody I'm to go back to the Yeah, I'm a, I, I can I can John, just see Slack killing me for that one. Flag, flag if you're yeah. listening, John said you. <laughs> 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 oh my God! I love Slack. I would not want to die by his hands. Oh my I'm Lord! I'm pretty sure John said you were dumb. I'm just gonna tell you. No, uh, no. I'm, I'm sure he could crush like... me with just one hand. Do the shoot. If you've never seen him up close, he's uh, fucking humongous. It's <laughs> dope. Uh, but no, like, I mean, I guess. The guys, I mean, I'd, I'd hope that they'd want to use their head, you know, so we can continue doing what they do. And I think it's it's definitely something that I've learned a lot of, of smart ways of doing it through, like, Pondo. And I feel like Pondo, there's an art form to what he does a lot of times, you know, and then there's certain little uh, things you don't do. I think there's certain little safeties. I know they try to, you know, you want to watch out for, you know, there's certain things I think you need to be a little smarter about, especially if, say, like, uh, you know, if you're if you're going to go on the road with this routine here, man, like, uh, I don't think you're going to, you got to kind of use your head, you know. You know what I'm saying, John? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? If we got to right. go, like, four or five days of this stuff, we might have mm-hmm. to start using our head on it, you know, and I think that's what the factor is. And they, they find that out as they go. Most of them have to, you know what I mean? Everybody that you probably, you know, probably know has had to learn uh, their limitations at times, you know. And then, right. the, you know, then there's the other part of you. As a wrestler, you're like, you want to go all out. You want to give the promoter and you want to give the people everything you got, you know, and you want to show them how passionate you are. And like you said, though, but that, that's sometimes where we kind of, you know, we, we stop thinking about, you know, using our head <laughs> and we do stupid things. Well, and, and I and, think that's, a, that's and, where, and like, yeah. To be clear, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, freak accidents, like what happened to G-Raver at TOS yeah. last year, you know, where, you know, the first spot of the match, you know, Alex Cologne comes out, bam, hits him with a big move, and he goes flying through the barbed wire. You know, that that that's a freak accident yeah. kind of thing that, you know, I'm talking yeah. about the bumps, the bumps that they, the, 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 the people actually plan. And, and, look, I'm a huge Joey Janela fan. I, you know, I think he's great in the ring. But, you know, the very my introduction to Joey Janela was TOS 1, where Zandig threw him off the roof mm-hmm. through the flaming fucking light tube glass table fucking yeah. go fuck your mama contraption that they yeah, had there. And talked the kid into it, you know. Oh. Right. Might have just but I remember watching that. I remember watching yeah. that and going, Jesus Christ, that, that, that could kill mm-hmm. somebody. Like if 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 one wrong turn, yeah. one wrong slip, and yep. Joey's never gonna walk again. And you know, again, I am yeah, a fan of Joey's. Movie, huh? Yeah, yeah, would have been a total you know, different movie. Would have right. been a network so, special know, about uh, fucking Jersey wrestlers. You know? Oh my God! I know, oh, I know. Lord, we, it would have like, been all in the news that's our, and that's holy thing. shit. Yeah, I mean that's the pro wrestling way. I mean it's like nowadays, it's like there these guys are gonna go all out and they're trying to get viral clips out and try to get, you know what I mean? Like they're trying to do bigger stunts on these these like smaller indie shows. Right before this hit, that was like a flavor thing. Everybody was doing like 
Like they would literally like utilize the match time they do on these weekend shows, film a dive off a balcony or off the top of a truck or something, film it and try to get views off of it. It was starting to be like mm-hmm. a trend almost that guys were doing. And I mean, I, I get it. Hey, if you're like, you want to like promote your brand, you want to promote you. I guess that is smart. But at the same time, like you were saying, it's like, you know, like where we draw the line guys, like one of you guys like just going to slip one time and it's like, right. not really worth all that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? If mm-hmm. I, I don't know for me though, I, I would chance I'll risk it at WrestleMania or like, Hey, the finals of the NGI or winning the GCW title, yeah, I think I'll risk a little bit more. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, those different situations, say, like, your tryout with, you know, reinvited, you're going to work extra hard, you know, above and beyond is what you're going to end up doing. You bring up WrestleMania, you know, let, let, let's let's take over the, the throwback, if you will. Uh, WrestleMania 2000, was that the first TLC? deal with the Hardys, Edge and Christian and the Dudleys, you know? No, yeah, they, yeah. they did their, the the first three-way uh, that they ended up doing was at a SummerSlam, actually, and then the second one was the following WrestleMania, but okay. 2000 was, uh, I can't remember what 2000, I, I think 2000 was like maybe a ladder match with two of the teams, but... Yeah. Uh, okay. that regardless, took like a year off, regardless, years I remember career. I remember Jeff Hardy doing the big swan tom from the top of the fucking deal through the and, and Bubba moves at the last second and he goes crashing through the goddamn table, and and you know a move like that and and oh well he knows how to fall, goddamn he just <laughs> he went through a goddamn yeah, table. Oh well, well there, there was there was padding on the floor. It, there's concrete under that fucking that is, padding. It's not like the padding gives. No, no, no. You know, uh, he's just so he was again, like oh, those, all four of those guys. All four of those guys, though. If you if you look at all four or whoever or what six guys, whatever, all six of those guys. Man, I mean, it's like you're so invested in that moment, though. Like, and, and then to like. You know, like that's something like I, I, you know, none of those guys I guarantee you would probably not do it the same way. Like they would do it exactly the same way, and know it hurt and everything. But yeah, it's just like that's that's it, man. Yeah, it's like getting that moment. It's where you can do it, and I just feel like a lot of the boys like pick the wrong moments <laughs> to do those. You know, but <laughs> you know, again. I could I, I get your point, you know, doing it at a WrestleMania or doing, you know, doing something big at a at a big show. But you know, I I, I just think it takes that one wrong movement on, you know, and it may not be anybody's fault. Yeah. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden, the news isn't oh, deathmatch wrestling is on the rise. The news yeah. is holy shit, somebody died doing deathmatch wrestling, and you know yeah. that. Can, just real quickly, can, can anybody hear Jim Cornette? Every... Can anybody can anybody hear Jim Cornette on on you know calling this? Well, goddamn motherfuckers! I told you, I yeah. told you, Deathmatch Wrestling. Yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> you know, I, I got to yeah, say about, yeah, the, hey, about the Jim. Sorry, hey, Go on, I'll make them laugh, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just got to say this before I forget because I'll forget. Hey, no, like if if Jim ever 
complains about at eh, horse slam wrestling damn mud show, I'll be like, Jim, we don't even fucking use real glass. That shit is sugar glass. It's sugar glass, buddy. All that shit we do is fake. <laughs> That's hilarious. I better watch it. He'll probably sue me for doing a bad impersonation. It's of him. sugar glass, brother. Don't worry. It's all Jesse, props. go ahead. It's all props. My, the, the, the Cornette thing, and this is something I've always I've just found funny here in recent years. Like, I'm a big fan of Mr. Mance Warner, and uh, you hear a guy like Cornette sing his praises over and over and over again, even though, like, most of, I mean, either A, you're singing his praises (laughs) while you know most of what he does is off-brand for your weird bullshit, or B, you're singing the praises of a guy who you've only seen, you know, 10% of his work. Because like, you know, the dude <laughs> is in a lot of is in a lot, of, and I'm like, so which the fuck is it? You know, like I, I that's that's kind of one of those deals where I'm like, is it that Jim Cornette actually does see and respect and like those things? I mean, it's hard for me to believe that that dude didn't see the damnedest elbow drop that you ever seen in Mick Foley and has zero respect for what people are doing out here, but he just makes money off talking shit. I think it's all a gimmick, man, to ask me with Jim. I don't think he'll ever come out and tell us or anyone else that, and he's going to stick to it. Trust me, he won't smart nobody up to what he's doing. But he's oh, definitely not. Shit. He's fucking pretty <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think like it's one of those things. It. He's playing the world. He 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 yeah. wants to stay relevant. Yeah, he knows man. that this is going to get people he's talking. You know. Yeah. Uh, by the he's a wrestling. You know, genius, speak, you know. Speaking of of wrestling celebrities in the news for things they say, um, how big of a bitch is Tamara Sitch? Jesus Christ! Did, has oh anybody? My God. Had, yeah, she was terrible. She's oh terrible, my kinda. word! I don't know. Like, I, what is she thinking? Yeah, she's I'm a person. Oh yeah. So, so for those of, for, for the benefit of Jesse, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this poor lady's name, but uh, the the Japanese, I'm not even gonna attempt to Japanese young lady that committed suicide oh, this past week. Yeah, yeah, Thank you. Funny. Yes. Yeah. So, so apparently Tamara Sitch gets on, uh, and for those of you that don't know who that is, that's Sunny. Uh, go to Pornhub.com if you want to catch up on her career. I mean, um, WWE.com. Uh, she used to be. Um, used to be Sunny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, used to be Sunny. Um, formerly. Just, just Google Sunny side up if you want to know all about her. Uh, and and you'll learn everything you need to know about Tamara Sitch. Um, so, but apparently she she posted this post about you know how um, she had been called everything under the sun and never once com- contemplated suicide. She always proved her people wrong by making more money. Dang. And she was, I mean, she, it was directed to yeah. you know all the people that were mourning. Uh, this girl's passing, and, and it was just—I just could not believe the amount, the audacity. Number one, and the the amount of insincerity from one person, and 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 it it it—I I, just—I don't yeah, get me that story, but just Jesus Christ! I, I mean, it, it well, was just yeah, I think she's just soulless a little bit. She's just like kind of like I don't know. I've never really ever seen ever everything I've ever heard about her. 
and and everything I've seen in front of her, you know what I mean? Like being around mm-hmm. her, she it's awful. It's just like she's just maybe not happy with herself and just wants to take it on everybody else in the world or something because it's like you can just tell, man, like it's like, you know, I mean, she's like the girl, she got, you know, she ratted out to that Dolph Ziggler probably, you know, and the guy was probably like, did it just to laugh with his buddies, you know. Like that guy did, he banged Sonny on purpose just to bang her and so he could go back and tell the boys, <laughs> you know, I banged Sonny. And she didn't even get a, she wasn't even in on the rib. That's how dumb that chick is. You know, she supported it. She tried to put his phone number out there that he called her and all that. I'm like, you're a dumbass. <laughs> like, you're the one that got ran out. Like, I mean, also, I, you gotta you gotta throw in there too. I mean, I guess when you spent so much fucking time in jail, you may you know not take any kind of cyberbullying so seriously because I don't think they let you have the internet. There. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think yeah. you got. I mean, what 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 is? She's on like her ninth DUI or some shit, right? Some shit like that. She also bitched about people complaining about her having this OnlyFans thing. And here's the deal: like, you get out there, reinvent your career, do your thing. All good, whatever. I ain't hate on nobody for that. But definitely don't like use that platform for <laughs> hating on somebody that took their life. I mean, good God, like that's the ultimate. Yeah, that's you know. Like, sell your fucking porn or something. You know know what I mean? Why don't you just stick to selling your porn shit? That's so good to wrote on there. I don't really do the Instagram and Twitter, but, like, someone could have really roasted her ass, like, on there. You know, like... Oh, people people did. Why are you, you know, you're wasting 15 minutes of your life typing something evil, and and she could have promoted her fucking book or something. Jesus, sell a book. But but at the end of the day, that... Sell a book. But but at the end of the day, you know, and 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 I don't agree with it at all. What she did was yeah. is she stayed relevant, and 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 it's sad that she yeah. chose the route she did to do it. But it got people Yo, talking about got, you know, it, it got people talking about Tamara Sitch, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. There is no such thing as bad PR. I, am I wrong on that, Jesse? Well, I mean, I would wager to say that it, it depends on what she wants her future to be. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, talking being stronger than someone else's suicide in the same business that you're making all your residual money off of, despite the fact that, I mean, you're ta- you're also talking about a lady that, to a lot of people, is very famous for losing her husband at a young age. And uh, granted, yeah. Candido yeah. obviously didn't take his own life, but at the same time, it's like, Good God! If uh, out of anybody that should be sensitive to something like that, well, now to be think, fair, to be fair, he lost her years before she lost him. Well, sure, and, and but she still she piggybacked off every fucking contract he got after that, though. Well, yeah, but you know, it, it's no it's no secret she was fucking anything that moved while he was under all of those contracts. If yeah, you see her deer she can she can try to come she can try to come sue me, but she'll have to sue every single person that's written a book about her in the last twenty years because that's what I'm basing that off of. I mean, people, but uh, Jim Ross talks about it with Conrad Thompson all the fucking time. The Sunny Days episode, you know, I mean, it, 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 it is what it is. So you know, don't. It's, it's the sad truth is, will probably end up. Incarcerated before she has the opportunity to do that. Well, yeah, 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 and and yeah, yeah. Wonder if she has the same legal team as uh, Jim Cornette. 
So, goddamn motherfuckers, double cheese. <laughs> no. I'm gonna I'm gonna get sued by Bruce yeah, Pritchard before I get sued by Jim Cornette. No, because that is my that is my impersonation of Bruce Pritchard's impersonation. So, <laughs> well, I, I certainly yeah. wouldn't say that. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. All right. All right well, so we're about. We're, we're, uh, yeah, go ahead, Jesse. We're we're about twelve minutes out from the end of this episode, so I'd like to rein back in from disastrous stuff and focus back onto Horror Slam. Um, you know, we're talking about the future. We're talking about trying to figure some stuff out. I understand there's a DVD combination um, in addition to some places to find some on-demand events, some cross-promotional things. Um, you know, Briar, would you like to talk to a release and future plans and, you know, drop places everybody can find your shit? Oh, cool, man. I, well, in uh, IWTV, I guess, I, I believe we're streaming the Death Proof and uh, Silent Night Deadly Fights. And then I know that all three of the DVDs are available on Smart Mark. And I can, I think you can actually uh, do the digital download, too, off of uh, Smart Mark. So I know those are available on there. And then uh, the, the plans, like, is to just keep moving forward. Like, to be honest, right now, like, we're just waiting for – Stretching Gretchen, you know, her, uh, you know, she's trying to, she keeps extending the, uh, the time frame of staying in, but like right now, we we basically have like almost every weekend actually booked at the VFW, just because we want, you know what I mean, the chamber to be loaded. So we're kind of like ready for this. Like we got banners printed up. We have, we're kind of ready to go here. You know, we're just like, you know, in preparation. It gave us a little extra time, actually, to make things better, I guess. So it was a little bit of a thing, but it's like it's going to be a battle. It's going to be tough to see, you know, because we got to follow the rules here. So, but, I, you know, it's a, it's an uphill battle, but we're going to move forward, you know. Um, what DVDs? Uh, what were the other ones? Oh, uh, I, I was going to do a DVD giveaway, actually. Tonight, yeah, I think show right, correct. John, I, I think you dropped out oh. on that one, so we can, uh, if you want to, if we can get your volume back, if you want to restate that real quick, I can just edit the dropout out. Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay, I didn't realize I dropped out. I wasn't even talking. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to be doing a, a combo DVD giveaway. We've got uh, Brett Lauderdale um, playing liaison with Smart Mark Video there to uh, get us one of their DVDs, as well as Horace Land donating one of their DVDs. If you want to get your hand on this DVD, just listen to Jesse. He will tell you where to find us on the social medias. And this upcoming week, we're going to choose one random person and send you those DVDs. You can follow the Real Side of Wrestling at facebook.com slash Wrestling or just search Real Side Media on Facebook. You can find us on at Real Side of on Twitter and at Real Side of Wrestling on Instagram. All right. So we will choose – we will pick the winner coming up Friday. Uh, we're going to pick one from Twitter, one from Instagram, and one from Facebook. Those three will be entered into the grand drawing, and one winner will come out of those three. It'll be a three-way dance for the DVDs. That sounds like a, a winning situation to me. 
right. Well, Briar, it's been a blast having you on, man. I, I feel like we, we could have talked about a million things more. Um, like I said, we probably could have built a whole show up on COVID, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you can't shut me up, line. No, man, no, it was man. A lot of real quick, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, just seeing and hanging out with you this weekend. Uh, gonna make the trip up to Detroit, and um, it's gonna be a gonna be a fun time. Now, just just so I know, this is rain or shine, yeah, we right? Can't wait. You're walking a road. Rain or shine, rock and roll, man. We're going to make it happen Friday night. And I also, real quick, I want to end it by putting on the, the, the also the president of Horace Lamb, Miss Rachel Green. She wants to say a little something real quick. Okay. John, how are you? I'm good, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be uh, starting the show at 530. Um, if they want to come... They have them message me for the address the day of, or maybe on their way, depending on where they're coming from. I'm trying to be discreet about where this exactly is at. It is in Dearborn Heights. Um, it's going to be outdoors. We have, you know, a barbecue. We have a small, a medium-sized, good-sized pool, you know, for everybody to have a little fun in if they're not too scared. Um yeah, they can just um, message me for the address or message yourself if you know anybody that's looking to come out. Okay. Right on. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I've been wanting to get in a ring forever, so I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Uh, message Rachel Green on Facebook. You can hit up Briar Wellington on Facebook. You can message me on Facebook. Uh, message The Real Side of Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. Um, Jesus. Uh, Rachel, do you all have Twitter, Instagram, all of that? You want to plug that stuff? I know Briar doesn't, but, but yeah, yes, Horror Slam. Yeah, we we yeah we have a Horror Slam. Yeah, go ahead and plug away. We have a Horror Slam on Twitter. Just at Horror Slam. It's at at Horror Slam. Okay, great. So there you go. All right. Well, again, thank you both so much for coming on tonight, Rachel. We look forward to having you on in a few weeks to tell a little bit more in depth story of Horror Slam. Um, oh yeah. Until, yeah, uh, next week we are going to be, uh, I believe we're going to be shooting on Thursday, but on Tuesday night you can find us in the Murder Death Kill Club doing the Death Hour with Connor Claxton. I can't wait for that. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, our first uh, special with the Death Hour. Jesse, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I love anything different. It's going to be great. I think there's a whole lot to talk about. We've had four weeks of great shows running here so far and obviously with the pandemic that we could talk about for 18,000 days in a row I, you know it'll, it'll be fun yeah yeah something Cross different so <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully this is all over soon we're gonna have right. jesse fields on next week we've got uh rachel green gonna be joining us again uh obviously for horror slam in a few weeks um lots and lots of great interviews lined up keep keep tuning in I would just like to say thanks so much to Briar Wellington. Thanks so much for Rachel Green for your cameo and that pertinent information. I encourage anybody who's in or around or wants to go to the Dearborn area to reach out to them and figure out what's going on. Uh, John, as always, thank you. The rest that I've got is uh, join us next week in Viva Wrestling. Viva Wrestling. Hey, thank you. All right. You have been, you have been listening to. Thank you, man. Oh. 
Hey, no, thank you, Briar. I do appreciate your time, man. It's always a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. Man, both of you guys are a blast, man. I look forward to hopefully seeing both of you guys, man, soon. All right. All right, as we go off the air, I want to remind you, you have been listening to the best-kept secret in pro wrestling radio today, the real side of wrestling with your host, John Gray, and my good friend Jesse Baker. Until next week, we'll see you guys at the matches.